Blog Talk Radio. This is Marty Oakley, and of course, I'm your host for this edition of True Squad Radio, dealing with guardianship abuse, and this is the Monday night show. Um, I wanted to make an announcement tonight. I'm going to be uh, going back to just one night a week after this week and um, just doing guardianship on Tuesday nights. Uh, This has taken quite a toll on me, and uh, that doesn't mean that should something special or imperative come up, we can't schedule a special show. Uh, it just means that for my own health, I need to kind of ease up here a little bit. Our guest this evening is going to be Jane Branson from Ohio, and I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. Uh, basically, what Jane is going to be talking about is is when the social workers interject themselves into these situations that then become subject to predatory guardianship. So I think it it will be a very interesting interview. Some things I found this week in digging around on all of this and trying to find an answer to any of it was I found several things are in place in many states, and one of them is called dead, dead peasant policies. And these are policies that insurance companies take out on their own insured uh, uh, customers, clients. Banks take these policies out, um, employers, and even predatory guardians will take out what is referred to as a dead peasant policy. In other words, they take out a life insurance policy on an individual, and then they're hedging their bets about how long this person will live. And when the person does pass away, then it is the predatory guardian, the banker, the attorney, whomever took the policy out, uh, who benefits, who who reaps the rewards of the policy. Uh, These are also used in our military. Our government has taken policies out that is referred to as a dead peasant policy out on our military in many cases, and they are profiting from the deaths in the wars in the Mideast. Um, this was originally something that was devised by uh, an insurance company. Uh, they began taking out policies on their own employees, in, and these policies would stay in effect even after the employee left the insurance company employee. And at some point, they could have been an accident. It could have been an illness. could have just been age and natural causes. The person passes away, and unbeknownst to the family, this policy has been in effect the entire time, and the insurance company would would keep the money. They would be the beneficiary. Pretty handy business to be in. One of the articles that uh, I put up this week uh, dealt with human trafficking, and this is what I consider uh, these predatory guardianships to be. 
And in the past, you know, human trafficking, people, when you mention those two words, think it's all about sex. And we, we know that there is a prolific business around the globe dealing with human trafficking for sexual purposes, uh, where they tar children, young adults, whomever. But today it takes several forms, um, one of which is, is the predatory guardianship of vulnerable adults with the state, and another form of it is um, foster children who basically are subjected to the very same system that we see the elderly with assets being subjected to. There, once a child is in foster care, uh, Florida was a state absolutely eaten up with this, and they're busting this ring of operators up down there. They have been working on that for a couple of years. But they take these children, put them into foster care, and then at some point somebody realized that 80% of all the children in foster care in the state of Florida were being forced medicated, uh, and the foster care system was getting paid a fee per head for every child put on these psycho psychotropic drugs. Um, they found psychiatrists involved in this, therapists involved, doctors, schools, foster parents, foster care agencies. Everybody was on the take. And the people being harmed were, of course, children. So the human trafficking is taking place in many different levels, in many different ways. Another is um, prisoners. Uh, Merrill Lynch sells prisoner bonds off the labor uh, guaranteed time that prisoner X will be in prison. Uh, these people, a lot of people have the idea that these prisons, and this is based on basically what you see on TV, uh, that somehow these are just chaos and, you know, these people aren't doing anything. They're just housed and allowed to war with each other. And in some cases that may be still true. But what's happening is we uh, are seeing the privatizing of the prison system. And under the 2006 regulations written by Donald Rumsfeld and uh, Paul Wolfowitz, prison labor is now perfectly acceptable. In other words, slave labor. These people get paid nothing. They're worked. They can be worked for 24 hours a day if they can hold up to it. But the prison is profiting from that labor, and Merrill Lynch and other companies like it are selling prisoner bonds and actually trading prisoners as a commodity on the open market. So it, it, human trafficking, as they say, it occurs in many different forms and fashion. Uh, probably the most insidious, of course, is what is happening to elder adults and children who get into this system, uh, who are sucked into it, who are taken into it under duress against their will, and just basically traded as chattel property. And this is what happens when a guardianship is established. When you when you become a ward of the state, um, you're supposed to be you, you lose all your rights. You lose every right whatsoever. You can't you can't make any decisions on your own. You you can't voice your own opinion. You can't tell anybody what you want because nobody quite frankly gives a damn. And so the, what happens as as you move through this system is not only a loss of, of of what rights you may have had, but you become chattel property. You become property that can be leased out, sold off, traded off, used, abused, 
because in the law you mean nothing. Uh, you're you're under the the care of the state if you can call it that, um, but you're basically owned. You cease to exist as a human being. You're a piece of chattel property, and as chattel, uh, someone else does own you, and you have no rights. So, this there's far more to this than than just a matter of of losing your ability to control yourself. You you are now at someone else's mercy. And one of the things I've tried so hard to, as I talk to people about this issue who, like me, had no idea what was going on, is the people that are doing this don't care. They don't care how much misery they're causing, how much harm they're causing. They They do not care. And it's all about the money. It's all about what can be sucked out of the system. And we have guardians, predatory guardians, who are insisting that patients be medicated when no, there's no need for medication. And they're using drugs like Respidol, uh, Haldol, Zyprexa. These things are extreme medications, very high gear, and they are intended for people who are manic bipolar. These are handler drugs. Uh, they basically put the patient who's subjected to them into what I consider a semi-comatose state. And it's a handler's drug because it renders them so dysfunctional, so unable to, to even do the most basic thing like take care of bathroom needs, feed themselves, whatever, so that they're not difficult. They don't present any difficulty to the people who are supposed to be taking care of them. In the elderly... When you use drugs like Zyprexa on the elderly, which is not approved for the elderly, you can cause neurological damage, you can cause the onset of dementia, you can cause diabetes, you can cause high blood pressure, heart disease, and early onset of death. And that just takes a little spike in that level of Zyprexa to cause this convenient death. And too many times, as I've told you, when looking through the files that I have, too many times I see a direct correlation between time of death and the last dollar being bled off the estate. Sometimes it's just a matter of hours, and the person whose estate has been cleaned out conveniently just falls over dead. That's followed by a very quick cremation and usually a two- to three-week period before the family who the victim has been isolated from is even notified that the patient has passed away. So there, there's a system at work here. Don't think that doctor in there whose oath is, you know, first do no harm, they could give a crap. Uh, it's first who's got the money. And it, a lot of these doctors apparently will do anything to make a buck, including inflating, inflating the billing, uh, administering drugs that are unnecessary, uncalled for. Um, there's uh, just a number of things that happen here. But all the way down through the line, there are people with their hand out. We've got payrolling attorneys who enter into the case and just keep hitting the court time after time after time so that they can charge the estate. They don't care if they win the motion. They don't. Um, and a lot of times their motions uh, amount to nothing. It's the ability to tap that estate for another fee. And we see this happening all the time. Um, one of the things I'm going to be addressing in the next couple of weeks as I get more research done is this 
uh, ruling by many of these judges that um, the family members or the person trying to defend the victim, trying to fight for that victim, uh, telling them that they cannot file any motions, that they can't enter into the court, that they they can't call the police, they can't call the FBI, they can't call anybody, they got a gag order, uh, and it. At the point of time that a probate judge is administering a guardianship conservatorship, he is no longer acting as a probate judge. At that point, he has stepped into ministerial duties, and he is considered an administrator of code and statute. Therefore, he is subject to, or she, um, requests for administrative admissions, and that means that you have a right to send a list of questions demanding that they each be answered and supplying an answer that you think would be given if they were answered in the event that like they you know say we don't have to answer these questions well yes actually they do because in that capacity as i say they're no longer a probate judge they're acting in a ministerial capacity so as an administrative judge at that point they are subject to this, and I think this could be a really useful tool if we work on it and figure it out um, just to to call these people to task. There's, um, oh gosh, what else did I find? I was also looking into where several states, Iowa being one of them, someone went into their statutes and removed the call for due process in guardianship cases and this is what a lot of states are relying on that this has been surreptitiously removed from the statute so the court's opinion is if it isn't in the statute then um, they don't have to apply uh, abide by it well they're again wrong you go to the constitution of the united states primarily and you're guaranteed the right to due process no one can take that away from you not even by removing it from a state statute can that be taken away from you? Then go to your state constitution and read what it says. Uh, the constitution here in Minnesota says that in all instances, due process will be be the rule of the day in, in every situation. So we can't allow these politicians and these probate judges and these crooked attorneys and predatory guardians to say, well, it's not in the statute. You're not governed by statute. You're governed by the Constitution of your state and of the United States of America. So if we get back to leaning on that, I think there again we can open some doors. But like I say, that's just my thought. Uh, I, I had hoped this week to hear from a few congressmen that I had called and two senators, I haven't heard back from anyone as of yet. Tomorrow night, Jay Dreesen will be with us. And uh, he had one senator and one representative there in Iowa that uh, seemed to be received to the plight he, w- he was under, he and his family. And so I was hoping that they, um, one of them, would call me back hopefully tomorrow. I, at some point, would like to get someone on the show that can speak with authority at least about their state, uh, explaining why when we question these um, politicos, they immediately fall back and say, oh, it's a separation of powers. It is not a separation of powers. They are the persons who made the law, created the statute. They are the only ones who can change the law and get rid of the statute. 
So this isn't a separation of powers, but a lot of people are put off by that. Or the other one is, this is a legal issue. I can't get into this. Well, they got their noses and everything else, and a lot of them are legal issues. So that isn't it either. So don't let these people put you off. You have a right to question them. You have a right to get answers from them. And and don't let them tell you, I can't because of this, that, or something else. They have an obligation to you um, to answer your questions. And that means more than five minutes of their oh-so-valuable time. Okay, then um, this week also, um, Dr. Woodhull put up uh, an excellent article. I just got it up this morning about guardianship simply being the legalization of slavery. And what she has done has actually created quite a, a piece here where she talks about the the slave codes in relation to guardianship codes. And she said... Um, in her first treatise here, slaves were denied rights and coercion was used to maintain the slavery system. And she compares wards are denied rights and coercion is used to maintain the guardianship system. Uh, And she says, for example, wards are frequently isolated from their family members and friends. And so, but she says a slave could not legally buy or sell anything. A ward cannot legally buy or sell anything. A slave could not marry, and a ward cannot marry. Uh, this is just about too creepy in some places to even think about. But she goes on and she said they couldn't possess liquor or weapons. Neither can wards. Most people can't either. A slave could not quarrel with or use abusive language towards whites. A ward who becomes quarrelsome in a nursing home is over-medicated. So, I mean, you see, a ward cannot possess property, including money, except as allowed by the guardian. A slave could not possess property, including money, except allowed by his or her owner. This is what I was saying. Under this this guardianship, you become uh, chattel property. You cease to have any rights, and for all intents and purposes, you're no longer a human being. says a slave could make no will, and a guardian does not permit a ward to make a will. A slave could not make a contract, and a ward is not permitted to enter into a contract. She says a slave could not leave a plantation without a pass, noting his or her destination and time of return. And a ward is not permitted to leave a nursing home without a pass, noting his or her destination and time of return. And then she says in some cases the ward is not permitted to leave the nursing home whatsoever. That seems to be in a lot of cases. They can't gamble, okay? Um, that She goes into where they have to obey established curfews. Can't testify in court except against another slave. <laughs> and she says, a ward is not permitted to testify in court. Usually the court-appointed attorney is granted a motion that disallows the alleged incapacitated person to even be party to the incapacity hearing, claiming that the alleged incapacitated person is too daft to attend. The judge never sees firsthand that the alleged incapacitated incapacitated person is daft or not and she ends with the slave owner was largely immune from prosecution and um, apparently uh, so are many of these predatory guardians Uh, I I just think there's this I read that article and 
thought about it, and then I thought, my gosh, you know, she really nailed it. She really hit it down because this is basically what these people are. Is They have become chattel property slaves. They are owned. And uh, I've heard more stories this week about doors being kicked in and elderly people being handcuffed, slammed to the floor, handcuffed, and dragged out of their homes and deposited in an institution somewhere, um, apparently unbeknownst to anyone, and no one can know where they are. And uh, you don't have to wonder about the police departments. What in the hell are these people doing? I mean, who in their right mind goes to the home of someone who's elderly, kicks the door in, and drags them out of their house because they're elderly with assets? And they all this SWAT team gear and everything else, it's a wonder these people don't die of fright right on the spot. And I also wonder if that hasn't on occasion happened and it just isn't reported and known about. And I'm looking at our clock here, and I see our guest still has not called in. <laughs> I hope Jane has not forgotten. Uh, well, my goodness. I'm going to try and call out, if you'll just bear with me here for just a second, and see if um, I can get Jane on the phone. Uh, we had a long conversation this afternoon about what she wanted to talk to, about, and she was just adamant that she wanted to speak about um, the um, entry of social workers into these cases and how they basically are the ones who open the door. They're the ones who who get everything started. So let me try giving her a call and see if we can raise her on the board and you'll hear a phone ringing here in a second. So don't panic. (laughs) And see if we can get Jane. I know she was just really excited about coming on, and I hope nothing has happened. I'm trying to reach you, but I can't get through. Oh, well, good. Now I've got you, so there you are. (laughs) I I have tried to watch in. Yeah, I've been watching the board, and I thought, my gosh, you know, uh, are you there? Yes, I'm listening to you. Okay. Uh, Well, Jane, I was talking about, you know, our conversation earlier this afternoon, and I knew you wanted to touch on the entry of social workers uh, into these cases, which basically sets everything in motion. So why don't you pick up from there and tell people about, you know, how a social worker set this in motion in in your situation? Well, um, what happened in my case... Uh, was uh, I had, um, in 2007, I had found out that um, I had to go in for, uh, into the hospital for uh, just a small surgery. And I uh, was taking care of my mom, oh, almost four years. And um, I was trying to find someone to take care of her, but um, I called the uh, mom's uh, passport case manager, um, she was forced to go on Medicaid because she lost everything. Um, 
through a um, family relative, which was through no fault of her own. And so the passport case manager said, look, Jane, uh, which was a social worker, she said, why don't you just have your mom go into a nursing facility for respite stay, and then you won't have to worry about anything at your end, just recover, get well, and then once you're well, bring your mom home. And I thought, you know, I really don't have any choice. You know, that was just my circumstances at the time. So I talked it over with mom, and mom agreed. And um, But before she went into the facility, I had discovered that my brother was going to keep her there permanently, which was her worst nightmare. And... Um, I didn't know what to do. I, I knew I couldn't allow him to destroy her life again. So I did the very worst thing I could have possibly done because if you don't know, you don't know. You know. And I filed for guardianship of her person, thinking that you know I was her caregiver for a number of years. Um, I saved her life. I stayed with her. Um, my brother had POA. Um, Mom gave her instructions of what she wanted, but unfortunately, that's not how it worked out. So when Mom went into the nursing facility, she didn't understand all this was going on that I had filed for. Well, I did tell her I, I did file for the guardianship and that my brother was trying to keep her there permanently. But she did go in. She had to because I had to go have the surgery. And while I was, after I came back home, went in to check on her, um, I noticed the social worker that worked at the facility uh, just hovered around, uh, was watching every move, everything we said. And so um, I got to the point where I said, uh, Mom, you know, I, I'm recovered now. I can take you home. And she said, okay, uh, go get the nurse and um, have her come in because I'll tell her to call the doctor and um, release me. So the, uh, the nurse came in. Mom told them what she wanted. She left. She came. The nurse came back with the social worker. And the social worker said, Molly, um, the doctor isn't in his office. And Mom said, well, call him at home. And uh, the, she said, well, he's not home. Mom said, call my son. Really, I want my son. I, I want to go home now. And so she left. She came back, and she informed me. She said, "You," um, she said, Molly, your son wants you to stay, and she, uh, he wants your daughter to leave. And if she doesn't leave, we will have her arrested. We will call the police, and we will have her arrested. Now before, arrested for what, Jane? Right, arrested for what? That's what my mom said. She said, what do you mean, arrested for what? Well, because she won't leave. We want her off, off of our premises. Why? I want her to stay. In fact, I'm going to go with her. Mom picked up her purse, and she got in her wheelchair, and she said, Janie, let's go. And she, and she said, uh, the social worker said, I will call the police. 
uh, your brother is the guardian. And I said, no, he is not the guardian. He is not a court-appointed guardian. He's her durable power of attorney. Mom still has every right to leave if she wants to leave. So I called the police, and uh, I told them what was going on. You know what the police told me? You have to leave. Because it's their building, their yeah, their facility, and you have to. And I said that doesn't matter. My mother wants me to take her home. She does not want to stay here. They said, "Well, you have to leave." So before all of this occurred, when I would go visit mom, the social worker would come in, and she would threaten me that I, I had to leave because I don't follow the rules. And see, this is just out of the blue. Like you're sitting there talking to Barb, for example. Somebody walks in there and says, Marty, you don't follow the rules, so you got to leave. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's what I told her. I said, you're crazy. I said, I'm not doing anything to you. I'm not bothering here anything. What rules are you talking about? And she said, you have to follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, you have to leave. And you see, I um, I was targeted because of my brother. And whatever my brother told them to do, they conspired together. See, my mother didn't have any money. Everything was gone by the time he got finished with her. She had nothing. So mom didn't have to be forced into a facility because there was no medical necessity. She had a home. We had an apartment together where I stayed with her and took care of her. So there was no reason to force her to stay in an, in an institution like that. But um, what they were trying to do was to create incident reports against me because I had right. filed for guardianship of mom's person, and my brother wanted that control. I, I it's, it's my opinion, Jane, Marty. Jane. Yes. Go ahead. Well, I was just oh. going to ask, what was what was your, your brother's interest? What why what was pushing him? Um, if the, the the estate was gone, what was his? You know, I I really think he thought that she was at the age where she was going to pass, no matter whether she was happy, content, and safe where she was. He wanted to uh, separate and divide, keep her at a distance from us at the end so no one would find out what he did. Um, And it has to do with greed. And I I really can't talk about that at this point because I'm in litigation right now. Right, right. And... And so he wanted to make sure that he had that total control over mom so no one would find out. Now, mom loves all four of her kids. She adores each and every one of us. You know, she doesn't want love one more than the other. But she's been betrayed. She knows it. And um, she fired my brother in front of witnesses at that facility. She said, he's fired. He is fired. She even told the guardian at Lytham 
that she did not want my brother as her guardian. She wanted to return home. and She did not want her apartment lease. Um, she, she didn't want it terminated. But what he did was to make sure she had no home to return to. Um, well, I, I um, the night before, uh, I had been, um, I had to call an ambulance and be rushed to the hospital because I was relax. I wasn't healing like I should because of all this turmoil. So he found out I was in the hospital, and while laying in that hospital bed, I got a phone call from some friends from church explaining to me that he was in our home tearing it apart, taking out all our furniture. And I pulled the IV out of my arm and I left and I had my friends pick me up, take me home. Because I had to try to stop him from destroying her life again. He'd done this to her once before in two thousand and three. He forced her in a nursing. Jane Jane is is he is he the oldest child or no, he's the um, the third child. I'm I'm the baby. Okay. And so he had done this to her before, and Mom almost died in the first facility because of abuse and neglect. I was fortunate enough to get her out of there and brought her back, and uh, she it took over two years to heal the wounds, the bloody wounds on her legs and on her bottom. And to get her, just um, making sure she had daily consistent care is the key. It, you know, it didn't take a rocket science to take care of her. It's a real simple needs, but if it's not done consistently, they go downhill fast. Yes. So yes. while so back in Hillsboro here, while I well, I left the hospital to try to stop him from destroying her life again. Uh, by the time I got there, it was too late. The The apartment was just tore apart. Our home was gone. And um, he put his hands on me and got rough. And um, I was out in the hallway, and he slams the door, locks it so I can't get back in. I'm getting very dizzy. I'm thinking, i gotta, I got to sit down. So I had my keys with me, and I unlocked the door, went back in the apartment. His wife was in my bedroom going through my dresser drawers. My brother stood in the doorway telling me, and I tried to get around him, but he's like about 6'4", and he's a big guy. And he tells me, he said, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the police. Tell them you hit me, and I'm going to have you arrested. I mean, this is bizarre. I mean, this is like a, a nightmare. Like, I've never experienced this kind of, um, not, nothing like this from my family. And, and I, I was just totally shocked. So I left, and I went next door, and I called the police. And I told them what was happening. They arrived on the scene. They were going to help me until my brother comes out, pulls out his business card, and shows him what a big shot he is, a big task force officer. They let him do whatever he wants. They make me stand outside in the cold without any So, wait a minute. Your your brother is actually with the police department? 
not he's a law enforcement officer. Uh, he um, is in another element of law enforcement. He doesn't work for the police force here, but he works throughout the tri-state here, and he is and he's oh, well known. And and I couldn't believe what he was doing. I mean, here I had saved our mother's life and taken care of her. And here he was throwing her in a prison and throwing me out on the street. So then when I uh, go back into this um, nursing facility, um, they tell me again, you, you have to leave or we're calling the police because they wanted me out of there because I was advocating for my mother's rights. I called the ombudsman representative the director of ombudsman in this area. I told her what was going on. I met her at the facility. We went in together, and she um, she's a registered nurse, and she uh, checked my mom over. She saw where my mother's legs were starting to break open again. Her legs were completely healed before she went in there. She saw the bleeding bed sores, no wraps on her legs, dirty clothes. Mom hadn't been bathed. So she calls my brother, and she explains to him, your mother is not getting proper care. And my brother said, I don't agree. The ombudsman rep could do nothing more. So I thought, okay, I'll have her for a witness at the guardianship hearing. So before the guardianship hearing, I um, file a motion for an emergency hearing because of the state my mother is in, the poor medical state. And I have uh, had a subpoena sent to this director of ombudsman. She refused to show up. She did not show up, and she was issued a subpoena. Mom was not allowed in the courtroom. Um, there was a kangaroo court. No, uh, my pastor came in, and he explained to the judge that mom was not happy. She wanted to return home. I took good care of her. My my sister, who is disabled, she's blind, she came in. She said, Janie takes wonderful care of mom. She, mom wants to come home. The judge sends mom back to the nursing facility, and I'm evicted from our home. And um, during all this time that I was in the facility and noticed how what my mom's treatment was. Now, mom lives in a two-by-four space. Her view is the back of a bathroom door. That is the quality of my mother's life, how she has to spend the rest of her days alone, isolated. My brother told Mom's friends, which is the pastor and his wife, they were not allowed in her room. They could no longer visit. I I haven't seen my mother close to four years now where we could sit down and actually visit as a mother and daughter. I live five minutes away from this nursing facility, and I'm not allowed to see my own mother. Can you that, imagine? No. No, I try to, Jane, and I I can't. I, uh, um, of what a hardship this has to be, and how gut wrenching it has to be. I do. I 
but I I can't fathom it because I uh, I haven't been subjected to it as of yet. Uh, I I think this is just with your brother. What it, there seems to be an underlying problem between him and your mother. Do you, did you ever figure out what that was? Uh, yes, uh, I do believe so. It's um, mom could never accept. I think mostly it was just that he got greedy. Mom adores him. She'd do anything in the world for him, but he just got greedy. And he not only, in my opinion, took everything everything from her, and he also took her life. And he has this law enforcement. Someone in the chat room wants to know if your mother had a a court-appointed attorney or... You know, was it, uh, were you able to hire her, an attorney? Um, We didn't have the funds. Um, I I did, I hired myself an attorney. See, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. You have to understand, I was green as grass. I knew nothing. Uh I just just thought the courts would, would be fair. But, you know, I have found out so much in the last four years. That's not the case at all. They're not going to be fair whether you have money or you don't have money. I mean, this this isn't a family squabble. Crimes were committed against my mother by some by a family member that betrayed her. The same crimes, like if she had millions, it doesn't matter. These crimes were committed against her as well. And I just think someone, you know, he just got greedy. And plus the job that he has, you know, he's seen it all. He's seen horrible things. Maybe that's changed him. I don't know. But nevertheless, you don't, you have to separate whatever job you have, if it's, if it's in crime or whatever. You don't treat your family like they're criminals. You don't throw them away because they're not useful to you anymore. And this is what he did to her. This is this is his pattern. Jane, don't 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 you think that in many cases where there is a uh, an element of infighting in the family, but don't you think that in many cases that this is actually what's at work? That these people reach a, a point in their lives for whatever reason that the value of another human being, even one that should be that close to them ceases to be of any consequence uh that whatever it is they want and whatever it is they're doing somehow becomes more important than compassion or sympathy or care or whatever the rest of us may experience do you think maybe that's you talked about his job and what he did and having seen so many bad things and so on i i can understand people becoming desensitized when you're exposed yes. to so much, you become sensitized. But how do you become desensitized to your own mother? Exactly, exactly you know? right. And, okay, he didn't want her. His wife didn't want her. They didn't want to take care of her. I did. I wanted her. Mom took care of her parents when they became elderly. I was watching. I saw what she did. And... That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to give our families away to the state. 
families are supposed to take care of each other. And here he has a sister that is willing and wanting to take care of our mother. Oh, no, I want to give her away to a bunch of strangers over here to abuse her, to neglect her, and isolate her. Okay, there's got to be another element in here why he's doing that. There's got to be something, a motivation, why he wants to separate her from the family. You know, and it's more than I'm power and control. I think it's more than that. And sounds like almost like a revenge. Mhm. Or jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh but I, I think it I think the almighty dollar has become so important to to our Americans now, far more important mm-hmm. than a human life. Right. And men, many people will do anything for it. Now I'm not talking about all guardians or all social workers or all nurses. I mean, there's good, as we were talking earlier, Marty, there's good people and bad people in every element we go in. I've seen some some good nurses, some good social workers. But unfortunately, it's been a lot of uh, my experience that I've seen the negative, and many, many, many other people are experiencing what I've experienced in these nursing homes and these courts with these guardians, the guardian didn't. Um, the guardian at Lightham did nothing for my mother. He refused. I I took pictures to him, evidence, not one phone call. He never attempted to contact me. It was all about what the attorneys wanted to do. They got back in a back room. They all decided what they were going to do before they came into the court. And they threw my mother away. They, you know, they, they just, yes, they threw her life away. What for? Her money was gone. But my opinion again, the social worker, she conspired with my brother to do this. Her reasoning, she wanted that three hundred thousand dollars that she's got so far. She's working on four hundred thousand dollars now for the Medicare and Medicaid funding, state funding. That's my opinion. Why she's why she conspired with my brother. It wasn't because he was a big law enforcement officer. No. And Job protection. Right. Then my brother had his own personal reasons. So my my mother, through no fault of her own, has gone through a torturous mentally and physical um, abuse. And they're, you know, five minutes away from me, and I can't even go in there and take her out of there. Well, that's, you know, what I what I keep telling people, you know, if you're in the hospital and these people, these social workers or advocates for the aging or any of these unsolicited visitors show up, get them out of your room. Don't talk to them. Don't have any conversation with them. In fact, um, I had a friend here recently who had this happen at St. Cloud Hospital. One showed up and just insisted on staying in the room and questioning her. She called hospital security and had the person removed from her room. And then she issued an order that no one uh, in an official capacity was to come into her room without her attorney present. And 
that stopped everything there that was in an isolated case. Jane, I have no doubt that probably the hospital now is actively revising its system under which it functions so that you can't keep these people out. I think that's the next step in this. But as it stands right now, you have every right to tell that person to leave, to stay out of your business, not to visit your elderly parent or whomever, that no one is to be in that room other than family and friends, and that any other personnel from the hospital other than doctors and nurses are to be kept out of that hospital. And I'm going to tell you, people don't think this happens too often, but if you don't, uh, as you sign your admission slip, if you put down that you're, which I do, non-religious, I'm, I'm a non-religious person, don't believe in religion. Um, I believe in God, I just don't believe in religion. Uh, but I always put down non-religious. I don't want these people in my room. I don't want nuns strolling in. They scare me anyway. Um, I don't want preachers from various churches coming in. I know how to read the Bible. I can do that quite well on my own. And But I have found instances where the person, the gatekeeper, the one who opened the door, set everything in motion, was actually a minister or a priest, Um who came in and started asking the questions in lieu of the social worker. But that social worker, whatever capacity they're in, that's the one you need to watch for. When that individual shows up, they're not showing up because they give a rat's hiney about that person laying there. They're trying to find out how much, how many family members there are, what assets there might be, and what state this person can be determined to be in. And when you read their reports, you'll find that as many of you have, it bears small resemblance, if any at all, to the actual truth. Um, There's all sorts of fabricated comments, uh, events, situations, scenarios of things that never happened. So, you know, like I say, my advice is if you have to go in the hospital, immediately issue an order that no social service agencies, no personnel on the aging Nobody's to come in your room except approved family members and friends other than medical staff. And even be careful with that medical staff because you don't know who they're representing. I mean, you that, just that's don't. Absolutely. You're right. I, I know mm-hmm. you're right because I, I've seen it. I Because I've been forced into this environment, I have seen it. And when mom was... Um, and when she was forced in that first nursing home, and that was not legal either, they threw her in lockdown. Now, my mother was in her late 80s. They threw her in lockdown, put a straitjacket on her. My sister and I, we were able to get in there. I got that straitjacket off of her. She was wide-eyed. She said, what in the hell is going on? Now, excuse my French, but that's how my mom talks. And she said, what is going on? Janie, get me out of here. And there again, we were threatened that we'd be arrested, that the police would be called. And it all circled around my brother at that point. But the the nursing staff went along with it. And the administration there knew that he was not a court-appointed guardian. And they went along with all of this. And that that is so bizarre to me that when someone pulls out a business card 
and because they're in law enforcement, everyone just goes blank, you know, and does whatever he tells yeah. them to do. I mean, wow. what? why aren't people using their heads anymore? Hey, you know, this isn't legal. We can't allow this to happen. Look, following up on all this paperwork. But they got all our money there at that first place. Well, you know, the thing is, Jane, doing these radio shows and I'm putting up articles from various writers, you know, on this subject. Uh, I've got a good web presence and this stuff is getting out across the net and more and more people are becoming aware of it. Uh, the advantage they had in, in the past has always been their ability to keep this hidden, to keep people from knowing what they were actually doing. And when it did surface, to target family members and say you were the problem and this is why you know your family member is in this condition you were the problem mm-hmm. and instead what it is is all these people and they've managed to control the the conversation uh, mm-hmm. one of the things i've hoped to do with this show is to change the framing and content of that conversation so that we get these stories out there of what is actually happening and how much danger you are actually in, even in your own home. Uh, one yeah. of the things I know, I know you, you said you had listened to Rudy's um, interview last week, Rudy Bush, and he had brought up uh, the statute in Colorado, the Health and Human Services statute. It's 1514.306. And this statute says that anyone over the state of uh, over the age of 60 in the state of Colorado at any time can be picked up and incarcerated by Health and Human Services so that they know that they're okay. Now, oh I mean, there's God. just a yeah, they can pick it just simply being 60 or older can cause you to be picked up and incarcerated, and they can hold you for an indefinite length of time. And I think that length of time is determined um, by how long it takes them to run down what you're worth, what you may own, who might be interested in getting you out of there. Um, that's it's time the time it takes them to get all their ducks lined up. And God help you if you've got assets. Uh, fortunately for me, I'm just as poor as they come, so... <laughs> I got nothing, and that and even my organs aren't any good. I'm a smoker, and I have a patch on my coat, Jane, and it says, "Don't even think about taking my organs." I've been smoking for fifty years, so it just—you <laughs> know—I mean, you do what you can. <laughs> you do what you can to protect yourself, but here we have this statute. And when Rudy gave me the numbers, I thought, "God, this just can't. This can't. He must have read something oh, wrong." Nope, he was dead on. They can pick you up at any time for any reason, no reason, and hold you till they decide to let you go if they ever do. And just simply for reaching the age of 60. Now, I've heard that these statutes are in place in most every state. I've been looking for them up here in Minnesota. Um, And I finally just did locate the guardianship statutes up here. And while they read really good, they're again is an absence of that statute requiring the adherence to due process. So I have sent letters. Did you did you run into that in what you're doing there in Ohio? Did you run into where this this process or the due process had been stricken from the statutes or any claim that they didn't have to abide by due process? Oh, they 
um, they didn't adhere to um, any statutes, uh, any laws. They just did what they wanted to do and dismissed me like I didn't even exist. Nothing, nothing legal was brought up. Nope. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I, well, I, do, I just. I, oh, go ahead, Jane. No, I, I just could not. My sister and I, and at, during the guardianship hearing, we sat there and we looked at each other. This was before she went completely blind, and we were numb. We couldn't believe that that had just happened. And then, mm-hmm. nothing, no evidence was brought in to any of the hearings that I had started any trouble. Uh, I had gone through the correct procedures. Now, I did take pictures of my mom at that nursing facility, and I know they didn't like that. But um, nothing nothing was mentioned in that courtroom. My brother sat there and said, Jane did a good job taking care of mom. And after everything was over with and the judge gave his ruling, the judge said to me, I'm not granting you any visitations, and that's just what you get for all the trouble that you've caused. And all it the will be uh huh. And and I thought, what they, trouble? Just what, what you? Yeah, I, I this didn't, is just I didn't, what you get. This mm-hmm. sounds like junior high. Oh, I know. You know, I I, I I couldn't believe it. And and then he said, um, "Your brother's calling the shots now." And he'll decide if and when you get to see your mother. And I thought, I'm not hearing this. This is a dream. This is a nightmare. I am not hearing any of this. You know, for um, I've heard other ladies on your program say, you know, my mom was my my mom's my best friend. You know, I, when I was a, a little toddler, I followed her around like a puppy dog or a kitten. You know, everywhere she went, I went. And for someone to rip her out of my life like that just because they want to, it, it's just unbelievable. And nothing, nothing was said against me in that courtroom. Nothing. Jane, did they, they did uh, in many of these cases that I've been dealing with and reading over the documents, I see a, uh, this repetitive behavior by these supposedly probate judges, of disallowing any evidence in that would refute the predatory guardian's case. I mean, the the administering of of psychotropic drugs not approved for use on the elderly, uh, evidence that there was mistreatment and abuse in the nursing facilities, uh, actual pictures of the fetid conditions in these places that these people are being kept in, the lack of medical care, dental care, uh, just basic hygiene, uh, and they won't let any of this evidence in because it would refute the statements of the guardian, which uh, coincidentally seem to need no supporting documentation. Absolutely. They can just say it, and it's so. That is absolutely. That's right. And um, I was looking at some surveys on the Internet about they um, went in and, and asked the residents, how, what their treatment was like there, and they would say that they get yelled at, they get pushed, they get pulled. When they're dressing them, they jerk their arms. Um, they 
um, curse at them. I mean, they it was repetitive from different residents, and and I just thought, you know, that is happening. So anyone that's listening, if you have a loved one in a nursing home, in an institution, in a hospital, whether they're disabled or elderly, go check on them frequently. Watch. Stand yeah. guard over them. Because this you is know, happening. Jane- Right up here around the corner from me is a nursing home. Uh, It's considered a five-star home in this state, and I've been in and out of there a lot. I used to go in there and um, just uh, as a visiting companion friend for various people that had no family left or anything like that. And um, it, it was just some of my time that I volunteered and I will say for them that this home is is immaculate. These people well cared for. Uh, they deserve the rating they've got. And, of course, it is staffed by people. I live in a rural community, and it's staffed by people who either have relation there or did have, but everybody knows everybody. So this place is just top-notch. The state's trying to shut it down. Oh no! And no. Uh, they don't want to give it. Yeah, yeah. They're try, they don't want to give it any funding. And here it's one of the top nursing facilities in the state, and yet we have nursing homes right up here in St. Cloud that are so notorious for their lack of care and the abuse of their residents, and they get cited time after time, and there's no effort to shut them down, and. This, I see, is a problem also, and don't you find in these cases, and and is in the case of your mother, they'll find the absolute worst facility, the worst possible facility to put these people in. And it's like it would be different if they put them in a facility where they were cared for Mm -hmm. and everything was on the up and up, but they don't, do they? No, because I begged my brother not to put mom where she's at right now because she had to go in there at one point for rehabilitation when I first brought her home in 2004 and uh, I saw what they were doing to her and I so I surveyed three other nursing homes and I presented them to him and I said go look at them go talk to these people go go look at them and see what you think no it's not convenient for me she's going over there Oh yeah, yeah. And and so, but, uh, and, and these are usually facilities that are that are getting heavy federal and state funding. Yes, they're they're not the the private facilities as you and I would think of, where you have the money and you you need your elderly parent or relative put in for because they need continual care, and you'll pay that price to make sure they're taken care of, and you're free to come and go as you like to see that person. And, and keep one, updated yeah. on them. These are these are facilities that the state is heavily invested in. They're funneling money into them, and yet these are the facilities that are absolutely nothing but chambers of horrors for the people who end up in them. And, uh, and Marty, you said your mother is it? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, they're not doing the background checks either. Um, they're 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 not doing a good job with those because in the first nursing home where a mom was at, oh it was it was bad. Um, I I, re, I recall on one evening, this uh, young girl came in. She was an aide, and it was fall. And she raised my mother's window, and um, 
I thought, you know, you don't do that on a cool evening um, to an elderly person. And I lowered it. And a few days later, another aide came to me, and she said, Jane, if you don't get your mother out of here, she's not going to make it. And and see, you read between the lines, you look, you go in, and you see things, Marty. You see things that you don't want to see, but it's so obvious what you're looking at. If you've taken care of people before, and you, it's just like any job. You know how to do your job. And you know when it's done right and when it isn't. And I... This is because I took care of mom, I, and I had children, animals, and, and you just know what needs to be done. And I knew mom was in danger, and she's still in harm's way where she's at right now. And I think the only reason why my mom is still alive is because I have constantly, constantly called the authorities and put um, stories out over the Internet and I know it makes a lot of people in this area mad. I'm alone. Um, they know I have no resources, but I can't leave. I want to leave this area so bad because it's it's done so much to us. But I can't leave unless I take my mom with me. But these nursing homes, they, they need to be um, – families need to step up now. And not just one do it all. But all the brothers and sisters need to unite, come together, and take care of that parent. And I know there's people that can't. Uh, they got to work. They can't stay home and take care of the parent or, or the disabled person. But there, there's a way they can, the, um, the person can be taken care of properly. And instead of our state having to pay out $300,000 for mom to live in a two-by-four space. She could be right here in my home get it, receiving one-on-one -on -one care and having all and just being loved on, and she'd get to see all her kids. Never, Marty, never would I take one child from her or grandchild, you know, no matter what I thought yeah. of the other sibling. You don't do that. Right. But these well, and, and you know, and they, and they do. And the thing that I've noticed uh, in these situations is, there again, you're dealing with people that I consider to be psychopathic at the very least, sociopathic at the very most. Uh, how you can watch another person suffer, and exactly. I think every time, uh, yeah, every time they get an employee that is concerned, that does have empathy and sympathy, they'll drive that person out. Yes, and yes, um, will. Yep, and get rid of them because they don't want exposed for what's going on. One of the things in all this, Jane, is you talk about her being in this, uh, uh, this, this home. Is this, um, and that's one of my friends who I told not to call while I'm on air. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry about that. But one of the things that, you know, I just see happening constantly is the, the rehiring of individuals um, who, who do these things. And they'll maybe get fired from one place because their actions have been so egregious, yeah. their neglect of the patients so terrible, and they'll go right over down the block and uh, do it to someone else. And they'll get hired in place after place after place. And like you said, there is no background check. There is no nothing. 
um, they just basically move from house to house. Uh, I want to go back to these social workers, Jane. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your case, do you think, because from what you've told me, I think, uh, do you think that that it was the social worker actually who was the the front man, the one who went in and set up the the uh, problems to begin with, set everything in motion? Yes, I think she saw some flags go up to her benefit. Um, she used my brother and I against us to get what she wanted um, because she made the statement to Nate, you better watch it. I mean, you know, you don't talk this way to families that come in to see their parent. And um, I just said, watch what? And uh, But I think committees need to be set up, and the senior citizens need to set up those committees. We have some highly intelligent senior citizens. We need to take all these guardianships out of the courtroom, out of probate is what I'm trying to say. And... It needs an overhaul, a total, complete overhaul. I mean, every all your guests that you've had on your programs, it has been so interesting and so informing. And I'm so proud to be a NASCA member, National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. I don't know what I would have done without these wonderful people. They, they are so smart and so informative. And all the other organizations out there that's fighting for our loved ones. I mean, it's time we all step up now and go into battle and stop this, what's happening. But these social workers, well, yes. Well, right. and, like, and like, you know, when we were talking earlier and uh, you brought up, you know, about uh, NASCA, I have to say that throughout all of this, um, of course, I've been attacked for various reasons, accused of trying to profit from all of this. And I told you I don't make a dime. I haven't asked anybody to have no intentions of asking anybody for money. Um, but NASCA has been the one group that has been fully supportive, and uh, and I do appreciate it. So uh, I know what you mean when you say that, you know, they've been there for you because they've been there for me, too. There's been a couple of times, Jane, I just wanted to throw my hands up and walk away, you know, just quit. Yes. Oh, and, yes. uh it just it becomes overwhelming. It's hard enough dealing with this information, which is foreign to me and foreign to the way I think, foreign to anything I would do yes. or consider yes. doing, and then to get attacked for no other reason than I'm trying oh, it's to horrible. give people I'm, a voice. You know, Marty, it's just yeah. wonderful what you're doing. I mean, I so appreciate you allowing me to come on your show and and just talk about my story, what happened. None of us thought we'd ever go through anything like this. But for some reason, we're being put to the test. And every time, I want to lay it down. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so confused. Every time, I come right back to it because I can't let her go. And if God decides to take her home before I free her, I'm still going to fight this battle because it's just not right. And you can't let him get away with it. No, you know, you, can't. Uh, it, you cannot let them get away with it. That's kind of where I'm at. 
this we cannot allow this to continue to happen. And one way or another, and I mean this from my heart, one way or another, I will find the way out of this. I will find something or someone who knows the way out of this. Uh, this has got to be stopped. Uh, I I just, that, that, Jane, was my disappointment with that big hearing in front of the Senate subcommittee on aging and blah, 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 blah. And it was yep. all staged and controlled so that the public watching that show got the impression it was family members doing this. And in your case, it is. Uh, but that this was, you know, across the board the problem when, as you pointed out earlier today, less than 9% of any of these contested cases uh, that go into these phony courts is, is the result of family squabbles. It, the rest of them are the result of these payrolling attorneys, the predatory guardians, uh, cooperating probate judge, um, the social service agencies, which uh, I think initiate a lot of this in order to justify them having a job. Exactly I, right. I think they create these situations. Do you think I'm wrong? I think you're absolutely right. I, I think you're right on target. And um, I don't know, you know, my uh, my mind goes this way and that way, so forgive me if I, if I take off in another direction. But, you know, what if someone came in and body slammed one of those social workers in a nursing facility or harmed them? Who would they call? They would call the police, wouldn't they? They wouldn't call an ombudsman who would schedule you for a week or two weeks down the road to come in and check on you. No, they would call the police in there and have that person arrested, whoever did that to them. Why aren't our elderly being and our disabled being protected in the same way? And so I took off in another direction, forgive me. Well, that's all right, but see, you you pointed out something. Why is there this difference in treatment? That's very important. Why mm-hmm. is there this difference in treatment? You know, if 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 I was if, if I had an elderly person living here with me and I was beating the crap out of them every day, and the neighbors knew it, they could call the police and the police would come and help. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so why when they're in these institutions under the control of these predatory guardians and these attorneys and doctors and everything else, and you see the same abuse? You know, emotional mental abuse is far more harmful and long-lasting than physical abuse, you'll heal up from those bruises in short order. But the way you're treated, the way you're handled, the way you're viewed, the lack of respect, the lack of dignity, that stays with you for the rest of your life. Yes, it does. It does. It, it, yes. It just, uh, see, and I... You know, and and like you say, why this difference in treatment? Mm-hmm. Now they'll they'll the police will come in a heartbeat, kick your door down, drag you out, put you in one of these places, but they mm-hmm. won't come back to one of those places to rescue you. Now why is that? See, I mean, uh, I want to know where's the SWAT team then? Right, exactly. And you know, I, the, it, everything needs an overhaul. The police need to work with. They need to have a division for the elderly, just for the elderly. They need to be trained because they they don't see what we see. Uh-huh. 
There, there's so much. And I the just, social workers, they go by this two-by-four little blue handbook. Oh, doesn't say that. We can't, you know, we, we can't go in and help your mom. We Yeah, we see that she's being abused. Yeah, we see the black eyes, but she's got a guardian. The guardian is the one that's abusing her. Well, you, you need to get an attorney. You get an attorney and they sit in court and do nothing. Jane, have you ever tried, like, pressing charges? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I've, I've been thinking, uh, you know, I've been thinking of some different avenues to go with this. Um, it, it seems like, you know, we march to Washington, we call the president. I've called the president. I've called everybody. We need to do something. We need to correct this problem. Well, you know, I'm nobody. They're not going to listen to me unless I got, you know, millions of dollars in my pocket to help them. I'm not important enough. But back to Mickey Rooney, and uh, at the same time Mickey Rooney was there, that gentleman, Walt Disney's um, grandson, he needed to be there. They need to hear both yes. sides of the spectrum. And instead of family squabbles, call them family crimes that's happening to the family member. They're crimes. And it's not he said, she said. They're only listening. They're not investigating. They're not hearing both sides. They're listening to a social worker who, who's who got a diploma or um, whatever, you know, whatever experience she's, she has. And, um, and they're not listening to the family member that has cared for the person. I don't get that. They're listening to a stranger over a family member who has taken very good care of their of their parent or husband, wife, whatever. I don't get See, it. I think it would be I, I think it would be very interesting in the cases of like the social workers and these advocates for the aging. Uh, I think they should have to publish a detailed report every year of all the cases they intervened in. And how those cases ended up, was a predatory guardian assigned? Was a family member assigned? Did this person end up in a facility? Were they able to return home? I think they should have to give a detailed report. And I think in addition to that report should be a listing of judges who routinely appear in cases where the decision is adverse to the family. You know, that uh, an explanation should be given. It is not enough for a judge to say, well, so-and-so came in the courtroom and they, they've got a degree or they're an attorney or they're a professional guardian and they know better than you do and we're taking their word for everything. Yeah. These judges yeah. need to, to be held accountable. Why yeah. did you rule the way you did? Did you look into who this person was that was making these claims? Did you get any evidence to support these claims other than they said so? And then I've got 92 cases laying here, Jane, 92 of them. And in not one of them has a judge ever asked a predatory guardian, one of these payrolling attorneys, one of these social service idiots, not one of them, for substantiation of the, the accusations and allegations they made in that court. Not one time other than the fact that they said so. And... Any evidence, like I say, that was tried to be brought in by the victim's family or friends, whomever was advocating for them, was summarily dismissed. The court wouldn't look at it, which gives them a legal vantage point there. As long as they never looked at it, they can claim later on they didn't know. It's plausible deniability. Um, but they, 
I think all evidence should be looked at from both sides, but that is not what's happening. These are kangaroo courts. Yes, very much Everything so. is skewed from beginning yes. to end. And the other problem I find with this, Jane, is the maligning of an otherwise ordinary person who's done nothing wrong, and nothing is done. Nothing is done to apologize yes. for that maligning. Nothing is done to rectify the damage that was done to that person's good name. Nothing. Exactly. It just all stays on the record. Um, one of the things in Rudy's case uh, it, he pointed out was that he had been arrested at one time because they thought he might be abusing his mother or would in the future. It made me think oh. of that movie of Minority Report, Thought Crime, you know. And eventually, all of this was dismissed, and the guardian basically said, well, my fear was this, um, that him visiting his mother might interfere with my handling of her case. So this is why she made these allegations against this man. This was eventually all dropped, dismissed as unsubstantiated and unfounded, but that has remained in that probate court record. without any mention of the fact that it was ever dismissed, dropped, and declared unfounded. It has remained in that record against that man's name. And I see this in, yep, I see this in many of these cases. People are viciously maligned and their good names tarnished, basically on the word of someone who has a monetary interest in the case. There's too much here that isn't being done. Uh, you you mentioned, I want to go back, Jane, you mentioned that you, you, about your mother being in this small space. Mm-hmm. Is, is she, she actually is kept in a very yes, small... Uh, she uh, shares a room with another lady, and Mom's bed is almost against the hallway wall. Mom's the first bed as you walk in her room. And she um, can't even use her lift chair the remote on it because the back of her chair is butted against the wall and that's why her legs will never heal from the horrible ulcerations that she is forced to endure again. All that excruciating pain was so unnecessary. But it is a two-by-four space. That's what she, and the TV, my brother put a wall TV in there for her that sticks out from the wall and she can't watch it because it's all it's like about a foot away from her vision from her face um, it's it's a horrible environment for her and see she just like many elderly people and I'm a loner I mean I pick and choose my friends I you know I, you I have like one hand five friends that's all I and and mom's that way too she she is a social bird, but when she is put thrown in among strangers in a lunchroom, she sits there and she's all alone. And they think, oh, look, you know, uh, they got 24-7 care. No, they're lucky if they get an hour of care a day because they're shorthanded. The aides are underpaid. They do all the work. They, they're shorthanded with the nurses. Our our family members are not going to ever get 24-7 care in a lot of these nursing facilities. The nursing facility you mentioned is exceptional. 
That's the way they should be run, just like that. It is exceptional. But see, I like say I know of others up there in in Saint Cloud, one run by the Catholic Church up there, where um, they are charging premium prices for the people incarcerated, and I do consider it incarceration in that place, and yet they are chronically understaffed um, to save money to increase their profits. So there again, you have the trading off of of human dignity and care. And and concern because somebody's looking to make a buck, and, and you know this, Jane, and all of this. This is what just absolutely it flies all over me. Like I said, I'm poor, and I that's not an exaggeration. I really am, <laughs> and but I've become comfortable with it. You know, I this is where I'm at, and it wasn't always that way for me, but that's where I am now, and I'm comfortable with it, and. That's all right with me, but I would yes. could not, I could not, as a human being, I could not abuse someone else simply to increase my lot in life. I couldn't partake in it. I couldn't participate in it. I couldn't watch it happen and not speak up, and yet the people who are speaking up like you are just targeted and maligned and beaten down and what's held up as the example to society is the predator. Yes. You know, that this is something to to aspire to. And I, I just, I, I have a hard time comprehending it. I have a hard time mentally dealing with it to know that these people, and there are so many of them, are yes. loose in our population. And what do you, do you think... Um, Jane, what do you think the the long-term effect of all of this is going to be for your mother? Do you think you'll ever be able to free her from this? I'm not ever going to give up. And if, um, I'm going to do it. Somehow I'm going to free her. It, it's either God's either going to take her home or I'm going to free her. Those, those are the two choices I've got. She's 92 years old. Time is not on her side. She's lost over 40 pounds. The day at the guardianship hearing, she was rushed to emergency because of the facts I was telling why she wasn't being taken care of. Nine days later, she was found on the floor in a pool of blood with a serious head wound. Numerous trips to the hospital, holes in her legs, bleeding bed sores, infections, pancreatic attacks, kidney failure, that's not because she's old. That's because she's not being taken care of. Now, instead, exactly. of, paying, exactly. instead of paying $400,000 to this institution that she's forced to live in, why not have the governor, the state, the attorney general, all of them, allow the family members that can take care of our parents, our husbands and wives, Bring them home. Let us take care of them for a heck of a lot less. And if they don't want to pay me a dime, that's fine. I want her. Well, most people are, are in that same frame of mind. Of course, Sarah Harvey has been in a massive battle for just that cause, to bring her husband home where she can care for him and make sure he does get the care he needs. Um 
Elaine in the chat room was asking uh, if your mom is on Medicaid now because of the guardianship eating up her estate. Uh, yes, uh, she was uh, started on Medicaid in 2005 because uh, my brother took everything and left her in poverty. Um, sold her house, it was paid for, she had 110 acres of property. All of that was gone before the guardianship. So this, mine's a little so, flip-flop, but it was a slow, steady pace of her life being stolen. Draining from her. her estate. Yeah, yes. draining her estate. And yep. and I see this in so many of these cases. Uh, they bleed out the estate, and and then these people who previously were in a position to take good care of themselves, not only physically but financially, are now penniless. And yes. at the expense of taxpayers being taken care of, if you can call it care. Uh, one of the things, too, in medicating these people, uh, one thing I've noted in, where I've been able to find it uh, noted at all in the case is where there there are these massively inflated costs for a doctor looking at her file. Um, medications that ordinarily might have cost, let's say, $100 a month, hypothetically, uh, in these situations are costing five, $600 a month. And Medicare, Medicaid doesn't question this. Um, I know. Nursing care, $750 for 15 minutes of nursing care. I'd like to see a nurse come in and spend 15 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, you, you see these inflated charges going to Medicare, Medicaid. So even after the estate is split out, uh, these people can still become a financial cash cow simply by milking and bleeding Medicare, Medicaid until yes. there's it, the caps are exhausted. And there again, we see this untimely coincidental death to the uh, these benefits being worn out. Uh, Jane, are there also, uh, uh, was there also money coming in from like state and federal uh, to pay for this facility aside from Medicare, Medicaid? Uh, well, mom, you know, she had her social security and, but Medicaid, uh, Medicare and Medicaid was the primary and, um, that's the reason the social worker uh, made a, her clinical report uh, that I had no idea about where mom needed total care, and um, but she failed to tell the court and she failed to tell the guardian at litem mom was only in the nursing facility for respite stay only, and she had her daughter at home, which was also her caregiver that had taken care of her for a number of years. Well... She misled the court into thinking mom needed total care, period. And then the guardian uh, takes excellent care of his mother. What's the guardian do for his mother except walk in there and sit down? He doesn't do anything for her. Does he, does he go visit her? Yes, he does. Uh, because... Um, he is, I, I think that's one of the guardian stipulations, they have to go visit their ward. And see, always before, he never would come and see her. You'd see him about three or four times a month, if that. But now he's being forced to go see his mother. And 
I wouldn't want to take that from her because she loves her son. That's all she's got right now. But I'd like to know what's going on in his head when he's faced with what he's done and he has to look her in the face. The day will come you know? if she passes. Yes, you're you're right. Because if he if he doesn't man up and do what's right and he knows what's right, if mom passes, he will never sleep another day in his life. I cannot believe this will not touch him. I cannot believe, he, unless he is so narcissistic and so cold, and you know that may very well be, you know. It could be. Because, well, the, 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 the main thing with the narcissist is the way they get by and a lot of times hide themselves mm-hmm. is, number one, they'll choose a job um, that we were talking about what his job is and what he may have possibly been exposed to and seen that desensitized him. On the other hand, he may have viewed it as nothing, you know. But the way these yeah. people get by, a narcissist survives by mimicking. They they mimic other people. They know that other people have feelings and emotions, but they don't understand yeah. why they have them or what they really entail. So they'll mimic other people. That's um, exactly that that's they, Yep, that they see getting attention or getting a positive response from other people, they'll mimic their behavior, a lot of times even mimic their words and actions, mm-hmm. uh, looking for that same positive response. Uh, at that time, they have converted everything to being about them, which it all is anyway when you're narcissistic. The whole world is there because it needs to revolve around you. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wonder about a lot of this. Um, there was a couple more questions here from the chat room and um, somebody wanted to know if um, uh, if your brother had to file any accountings with the court for how the the profits from the estate were um, handled, or if was the money embezzled, or how was it spent? Do you have any idea? Uh, he has never given the first accounting of her estate. He oh, that is all secretive. That's all in. He has not um, shared that with anyone, and the court has not made him file an accounting. Oh wow! No, oh yeah, it's it just, yeah. And he did all of this. He did. A, he get, he accessed the estate before there was ever a guardianship established. Am I correct? Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, that's why and, he, they're not making him produce anything. Yeah. Okay, so and so he puts the guardian in place as near as, if I understand correctly, Jane, the guardian was put in place basically, uh, it looks like to me, to protect from view exactly what all he did and to keep control of the situation. He can stop any investigation. He can stop any looking into how much money he gleaned, how, how he went about doing it simply by having this guardian standing between you and your mother. Right. It all worked in his favor. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mom, you know, I, I can't say anything about the POA at this time. You know the reason. Um, Jane, did you ever um, file charges against your brother for uh, the abuse of power of attorney? 
No, I haven't done that. Okay. All right. <laughs> have you have you spoken to your brother at all? You know, in the uh, I tried uh, to, and he hangs up mm-hmm. on me. So he doesn't. Yeah. It's going to be his way or no way. And um, Jiminy Christmas. Is he married? Uh, yes, he he's married. Um, and his wife. Um, there was never a good relationship there between mom and his wife. And I, I just, I don't get it. I, I don't get why they even moved out there next to her. But then again, I do get it, why they did it. Um, Access. I just, I just wish I would have moved back to this area a long time ago and would have checked on her. But you, I was under the understanding he was taking care of her. That's why he moved out there. This is what he told the family. They lived right next door to her, so if she needed anything, they were there. But that wasn't the case, Marty. Wow. Too many Christmas. She, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's happening to so many, to so many. And there's got to be. Well, that's one of the things there has to be. And the thing is, they, you know, like I say, doing these shows, putting up the articles, uh, getting the word out across the net, um, I believe is having a positive effect. Uh, when I look at the number of um, reads on the articles pertaining to this and the interest, the questions coming from people, of how can this happen? Well, and people will write me emails and say, well, you know, I didn't want to say anything to discredit you, the article you have up, but, you know, this can't happen because of this law, that law, and another law. Oh, and I'll go right, back and say, right. you need to go and check. You know, uh, just talk to people. You're going to run into someone who has a family member or who has had in this situation. Because and one of the things that's been... Yes. Go ahead, Jane. Uh, I was just going to say, um, the courts ignore the law. It's whatever they want to do, whoever they favor. It, it's not the courtroom that we knew years ago. It's not the same courtroom. It's not the same... Uh, there is no women. justice the justice system. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I know... I for, go ahead. I know there are good judges. I know there are. But my experience has been so unfair, so unjust for my mother. How you can put an elderly woman... Go ahead, Marty. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's all right. You speak. Say what you, you need to say. I, I just don't understand how a judge can hear one side, you know, when an attorney can go in and tell the judge this, this, and this, and not have the evidence to prove it. Okay, you say this against her or this, or, but where's the evidence? Show me the evidence. I go in with evidence, tape recording, pictures, I'm not allowed to present my evidence. I don't get it. Well, that seems to, that seems to be the the modus operandi in these situations is this absolute refusal 
to either ask the guardian and these payrolling attorneys and social workers for proof, for substantiation. And, and it cannot be that, well, people in the, in the uh, nursing home or the hospital uh, said they saw the same thing. That's hearsay. That's hearsay. Um, we have so many cases where these predatory guardians, especially if they're around a courtroom um, in any kind of a legal setting, uh, will suddenly, and for reasons unknown to anyone, maybe they're having a brain fart, I don't know, they will start <laughs> waving their arms and, sorry, and screaming and hollering, and everybody's looking at them like, you know, what the hell happened to you? And, it, well, this person was going to hit me. They were going to hit me, and you're standing there or you're sitting there, you know, looking around like, who are you talking about? But And we see this happening in many, many different places. So what this indicates to me, and because this is such a standard pattern of behavior within these courtrooms, with these attorneys, with these predatory guardians, these people are communicating state to state, and they're devising plans that work that work for all of them because I just see this consistent pattern in every one of them. You can't tell me that a predatory predatory guardian out in the state of Washington and a corrupt probate court along with the same attorneys and banks, the same bank, Wells Fargo and Bank of America being the two big ones that tap these estates and allow the transfer of, of funds into bogus accounts claimed to be charitable that they know are not true accounts, they're fictional accounts. Uh, I've seen people try to notify the IRS, and yet there's nothing, nothing, no response. But you can't tell me that this happens in this same pattern, the same process in the state of Washington, and out in Florida, the very same pattern is established and operating out there, and that these people are not communicating. This is a an organized crime that is happening across the country, and these com- people are communicating with each other about how to perpetrate this crime. You cannot have this much similarity case by case, state by state, without there being an organized effort behind it. And if if we could ever at some point prove that this this collusion is occurring, and it has to be. Like I say, looking at these cases, it's just the same pattern, the same charges, the same activities, the same processes being followed time after time. It's like a proven method of operation. This will work in every instance. This is what you need to do. This is how you go about doing it. This is the sequence you use to get it done. This is this is a collusion. This is and and I hate to use the word because of course it just you know sets the internet afire when you do. This is a conspiracy, and there are many people across many states involved in it. And I think one of the things, Jane, and, and, and I'd like your opinion on this is I think for one thing there is nothing constitutionally to validate the existence of a family or a probate court, these special courts. There's nothing in there. These courts were were created uh, by state courts who claimed they were overloaded. Well, if you've got enough money to hire these phony probate judges and these phony family court judges, 
you've got enough money to hire judges in state court to handle the caseload and keep this in a legal venue. Yes, yes. But there again, like you said, the the justice system, there is no justice there. Um, This is a dangerous venture anytime you have to go into one of these courts for any reason. I I just I wish I had answers and I'm looking for answers and I'll find the answers. Eventually I will find the answers. But this is so complicated and there are so many people who are are in jeopardy and who are being harmed and we've we've got to find a way to get this out now to to shove this into the mainstream media make them address this. Um, I've written several letters to newscasters and everything, but there again, if it's not about Martin Sheen and how much cocaine he's doing every day, they oh, really don't seem to oh, be interested. Oh, that, that's ridiculous. Yes, I completely understand. I hear you. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what What are your, well, you said you have no intentions of leaving there, which I don't blame you. Um, I can't leave her yet. No, gonna, no, don't. I, I just, there's. And, and everyone gets so tired. They get so wore out from all of this. But then you wake up the next morning and, you know, you eat, breathe, and sleep it because mm-hmm. you know they're suffering and you and you can't get to them to help them. You know, we talked about how you know, we, we used to... You know, maybe something we could do... What? Is is where pictures are available of the state of neglect these people have been left in. I, I know you sent pictures of your mother and her decline. Um, I, you know what we could do? What? This is maybe going to sound really off the wall, but is maybe print up flyers with pictures of the people and the judges who um, allowed this to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and who the, and the guardians, guardians are. Allowed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I say, yep. all guardians aren't this way. We're not, t- you know, it's not everyone, but it's exploding. But yep. it's got to be stopped. It's got decision makers have got to understand this has got to be stopped. Why couldn't it happen to them too? It happened to Walt Disney's grandson. I mean, it's, it can happen Look. to a legislator. Um, you know, someone but they in don't Congress. They can, Jane. They don't. I, they I, can. They think they're untouchable. I know they do. I mean, this yep. could happen to the guardians. You know, we could go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please let it happen. Just See, this is what we need to do. We need to turn it off them now. You know, maybe what we could do, Jane, is go in and petition for guardianship of a guardian. And yeah. say that, you know they're obviously incompetent, and we want them picked up, and we want to get guardianship <laughs> no. until we determine whether or not they're mentally capable of proceeding in their life on their own. I think we should do that. I really, I, I think, in my brother's case, I think I should because I think he needs help. Yeah, because of what having he's done. picked up on a lunacy warrant. Every state has <laughs> having picked up the holding for seventy-two hours. And um, having undergo a psychic examination, and um, 
But for his own sake, why he needs why to have couldn't this done. We do that? Why can't we, like that Rebecca Furley down there in Florida, that woman is just a vulture, you know, wearing Louis Vuitton. Okay, so why couldn't we have her picked up, go into a probate court and tell them that, you know, we're concerned about her. We think she's being abused mm-hmm. and get guardianship of her and then begin relieving her of all her assets while well, we stash you know, her in a they're, they're doing it to others. So what's the difference, Marty? What's yeah. the difference? Yeah. Why should they be exempt? If it was good enough for your mother and many of these other mm-hmm. people, it surely should be good enough for them. Mm-hmm. And how, exactly. uh, you know, can you imagine what their response would be to find out they have no voice, they have no rights, and somebody's mm-hmm. spending all your money? Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I just think it'd be wonderful. Just one time, just one time, it could set the example. But mm-hmm. maybe that's that's the answer. Start having these we, people picked up. Look what they did the to table. these other people. There's obviously something wrong. These people are deficient. And and truthfully, they are. You don't do yes. this to another human being. You they know. are. They well, that's the thing. I don't think they're necessarily human. I I don't know what they are, Jane. I don't know what they are. But they all go to church. <laughs> you know, a lot of them talk about how they go to church every Sunday. See, if I was doing something like that, I'd be afraid to step foot in church for fear a big old lightning bolt would come down and blast me off the planet. But these people don't seem to suffer from those fears, and uh, nothing seems to happen. Uh, I just don't. And you know the thing is, you would be such a pariah in your community. You know, once this got out, you would you would be such a pariah in your community. Um, yep. I just, I, I don't know. There's, there I there are I answers, but we have to get we to the decision makers, the ones that control the laws, um, and get all these smart people that know that have been through this that can contribute mm-hmm. so much, right. like Tom Fields, Tim Larman, yes. Holly. Sarah, well, you know, got, they're all warriors, got every one of them. And, and, well, and Jane, uh, tell me if you, think, if, if you think I'm wrong about this, tell me. But I think it's pointless, uh, and this comes from experience in many other sectors of law and legislation and everything, but I have discovered over the years it is absolutely a pitiful waste of your time and energy to approach anything on the federal level, these people just absolutely yeah. do not give a damn. Well, uh, it's, I think yeah. this has to be it has to be fought in the states. You have to go after those state level legislators, those junior senators and representatives who are in state. Those okay. are the people that can change it. Those are the people you can actually get access to. You might have to jump up and down and have a little bit of a fit, but you can actually get access to those people. And it's this is where it's got to be changed. Okay. And looking for people on the federal level that they don't care, they're on the take 
so many places from all these corporations and special interests, um, they're not going to do anything. If there's not a, you know, a truckload of money associated with it, they just aren't. That's why when people said, you know, Herb Cole is heading up this committee on aging, I thought, oh, crap. You know, uh, if you're not driving in there with a U-Haul full of gold, he's he's not interested. He talks a good game, and then he walks away and kind of flips you off. Um, so this is this is no consolation to me. I've watched this man for years sell everybody and anybody out. That man would sell his own mother if he thought he could make a buck. And uh, so having him head up this committee is really very disheartening. Uh, but like I say, we've, we've got these state-level legislators that we need to be accessing. Uh, there have to be, I think, maybe two, Jane, like senior centers. Um, we have a huge one up in St. Cloud called Whitney. Uh, senior center is very active politically, um, just informationally, intellectually, a very active center. And maybe going through these people and, and building a coalition um we we've got to build numbers i do know that uh that's all counted votes you know and uh so maybe that's that's an apps uh you know a, a possibility also there there's got to be a key to this there's there's got to be a key yes. to to bringing there, there this is. down and stopping so i i, agree I, with I don't you. there there is it's just finding it. It's just finding it. Yeah. I'm telling you. I keep but, looking. Keep but looking. you must rest, Marty, because I, I hear it in your voice. You must rest. you got to eat yeah. your oranges, get your vitamin B, and <laughs> walk. And yeah. Oh, take I, it I all do, for I, a walk. I, yeah. <laughs> I, you, would, you would be amazed at the things I do to try and keep myself, you know, up and running. Uh, yes. One friend told me that I just basically needed training wheels to stay upright, but um, <laughs> I told her to leave, so I <laughs> 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 duct taped myself to a wall, you know. But, well, Jane, I want to thank you for being on tonight. You really have been a wonderful guest, and and I wish you the very, very best with your mother and I'll be praying that that situation is rectified and soon, and that she can so. come home. I, I, I just this is so god awful. I wonder what that nursing home would do if we all started sending her cards and letters, like a couple oh, thousand. They they have to go through my brother. He has to read everything first before he allows her to see any mail. Well, he's just a, a tad on the paranoid side, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Marty, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to just talk, to know I've got support. That means so much. Well, you do have, and you know, you got NASGA out there, Elaine and all her people, and I know there's other groups um, out there, too, that, you know, they're there yes. for support, even if it's just in spirit. But yes. we, we've got to... We've got because to we all know here. this is right. Don't you? Don't we? This is the right thing to do. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
And at some point, we all have to make the decision to do what's right, regardless of the cost of us personally, as opposed yeah. to what's right when it's convenient. Exactly. And uh, so we'll we'll keep on with these shows. Uh, we got just a couple minutes here left, Jane, and I just wanted to remind everybody this is my last week of doing two shows a week, and I say that doesn't mean that if something important comes up that you, you need out there, that I won't set up a special show for you, but we'll be going to Tuesday nights only uh, until I kind of get the wind back under my sails here, and maybe later on we'll pick this up and do it more often. But for right now, just for my own uh, sanity and health, I, I just need to back down a little bit, and I hope you yeah. can all understand that. We all And do. I just... I. I hope so. Um, we do. I won't we quit do doing because shows one, all together. One person can't do it. You know, you just can't. It's too overwhelming. It's going to take a. It's going to take a. It's going to take all the states, all the United States, to chip in and help. Yeah. And right now we're just a small band of people, but I think we can grow that. So okay. I'm going to say good night and good night. Um, thank you again, Jane. Thank you Thank to everyone you. who was in the chat room. Uh, I'm sorry about uh, they were having problems in there tonight with their antivirus going off. I'll have to contact Blog Talk yeah. again about that. I and get on there. Uh, yeah, a lot of people couldn't. I was getting emails constantly. The people couldn't even sign in. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow night uh, with Jay Dreesen, and hopefully I'll have one of his senators or state representatives on board with him, uh, even if it's just for a few moments. So I hope I can see all of you back here tomorrow night. And, Jane, I said thank you, and we will be talking again here in the near future, you and I, because I've had some ideas here that I just kind of need to pen out on paper and flesh out and go over with you. And um, thank you. So I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say good night, everybody. And, and, again, thank you for everybody that tuned in. We'll be talking you, to you next week. Okay. Thank you, Jane. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you download the Pick and Save app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons to save on your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Pick and Save makes it easy to save while you shop, whether it's in-store or online, so you get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Pick and Save app now to save big on your next purchase. Pick and Save, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Hey, this is Chuck the Goat from Goat USA. I wanted to break into your podcast and tell you about the new Goat USA store at Garden State Plaza. Check us out next to Seasons 52 across from Fogo to Chow. Be the goat by wearing the goat and gift your loved ones with the greatest apparel of all time. Heavenly soft and incredibly durable, Goat USA sweatshirts and joggers are the most outstanding gifts this holiday season. So come see us at Garden State Plaza. And if you don't know, you soon will. Goat! Goat USA. Apparel for kids and adults. Chuck out. <laughs> 
Honey, where'd you go in your pajamas? <sighs> Sleepwalking. Again? How far? My watch says 25 miles. 25? Did you know we can save up to 25% off grocery store prices at BJ's Wholesale Club? We can save a ton for our holiday party. You already did. Huh? There's deli platters, candy, and baking ingredients on the table. I bought that? Yeah, you've been sleep shopping. So it's true. Saving at BJ's is so easy, you can do it in your sleep. Save in club or on BJ's.com. Not a member? Join today. BJ's. Absurdly simple savings.